Great news, my cruciferous cousins. Plant Strong Foods is hosting a March Madness Meals and Minutes sale. Visit plantstrong.com and save up to 30% on every one of our ready-to-eat chilies and stews. It is the perfect time to stock up on these heat-and-eat tasty meal solutions. Having a stash in your pantry means you're never more than 90 seconds away from a satisfying meal. The sale runs through March 17th while supplies last. Visit plantstrong.com today. The great thing about plants is there are no studies showing that plants are going to increase your cancer risk, Mm -hmm. right? There's no study showing that beets or carrots are going to increase your cancer or heart disease or or diabetes risk, right? And so you don't have to be afraid of plants. Uh, They are only good. I'm Rip Esselstyn, and welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. The mission at Plant Strong is to further the advancement of all things within the plant-based movement. We advocate for the scientifically proven benefits of plant-based living and envision a world that universally understands, promotes, and prescribes plants as a solution to empowering your health, enhancing your performance, restoring the environment, and becoming better guardians to the animals we share this planet with. We welcome you wherever you are on your Plant Strong journey, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Hello, my Plant Strong sweet potatoes. My name is Rip Esselstyn. Welcome to another episode of the Plant Strong Podcast. Today, I invite one of the most positive and inspirational people back to the Plant Strong Podcast. His name is Chris Wark. I first met Chris in March of 2020, right before the the pandemic hit. And we met on the holistic holiday at Sea Cruise Ship. We were both speakers there. And I interviewed him on the ship. And I was immediately struck by not only his knowledge base and his passion, but also his charisma and his faith. And what we talked about was how back in 2003, Chris was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer at the tender age of 26. And after his surgery, he opted out of chemotherapy and instead turned to nutrition. And instead of pumping chemo drugs into his body, he decided that he would pump as many anti-cancer foods as he could, and he turned his body into this nutritional powerhouse. It's now been almost 20 years, and Chris and his family are doing fantastic. And today, we are going to talk about some of these life-saving recipes from his latest book, Beat Cancer Kitchen, that he co-wrote with his wife. It is a absolutely gorgeous book that features all kinds of whole food plant-based recipes that will appeal to the whole family. doesn't matter if you're healing from cancer, if you're actively trying to prevent it, or just simply seeking a healthy lifestyle for you and your loved ones. Chris's work is to inspire as many people as he can to believe that you can get well to provide the evidence and science that supports this and then give you the confidence to take action on sustainable change. 
You have so much personal power with your health. So let's unleash some of that with my guest, Chris Work. All right, Plan Strong gang, here we are with Chris Work. This is Chris's second appearance on the Plan Strong podcast. I actually had Chris on, gosh, it was just almost two years ago where I bumped into Chris on uh, this holistic holiday at sea cruise, and he had me on his podcast. And then I said, would you return the favor? And he he did so. And, uh, and if you want to go back and listen to that interview, uh, we really go deep into Chris's story and his, his, his uh, kind of survival story with cancer. But I, what I'd really like to talk about today is Chris. Hello. <laughs> hello, Rip. <laughs> greetings. <laughs> greetings and salutations. You and you and your wife uh, have come out with a new book. It's your third book, Beat Cancer Kitchen. Here it is right here. It is insanely gorgeous. And uh, the byline is deliciously simple plant-based anti-cancer recipes. So I want to really dive into what it means to eat like in an anti-cancer way. But before we do, I would love it if you could give the Plant Strong audience, just the Reader's Digest version of your fight and survival story with cancer. Yeah, happy to do it. Uh, and uh, it is weird that it's been almost two years since we did that interview, which was like the last cruise before everything oh, shut down. <laughs> before the world shut down with COVID, yeah. Yeah, I haven't been on a cruise since. Um, I hopefully, hopefully they come back because that was a super fun uh, event. And we had a lot of folks from our community come and I know from your from yours too. And it was really fun. Yeah. But uh, so the story is I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer at 26 years old. And that was in December 2003. And I had surgery. But it, you know, when it came time to do chemotherapy, I decided not to do it. And what happened in that in that interim between surgery and when I was supposed to start chemo was I discovered information about nutrition, the power of nutrition to support your body's ability to heal. And I had read multiple survivor stories, people who had healed advanced cancers with a radical change of their diet and their lifestyle. And I was encouraged and, and inspired and excited. And I felt like I got, you know, I got my power back. I got a sense of control back over my life. And everything started to make sense to me because typically when you're diagnosed with cancer, you're just like, why did I get cancer? How'd this happen to me? You know I mean? You just, you, you're looking for answers to, you want to understand your predicament because it is definitely a predicament, right? It is a dilemma. And uh, so, you know, I started to connect the dots and I realized that the way I was living was killing me. And so I, I adopted a whole food plant-based diet right away uh, in early January, 2004, and was just so excited about the process of changing my life and rebuilding my body and restoring my health, um, in ways that were sustainable and, um, you know, and not destructive. And so anyway, I opted out of chemo and, and, uh, and I just, just went hardcore, hardcore yeah, you, fruits you, and you, vegetables. You like to say that you basically overdosed on nutrition. I do say that that was that was sort of this funny idea in my mind, right? Because I knew the stakes, the stakes were very high. 
And I was like, okay, if I'm saying no to chemotherapy, which is, you know, the, these treatments are, are highly toxic and they're destructive and, and they can cause a lot of harm. And, and, you know, so I knew, okay, if I'm not going to do that, I need to overdose on nutrition. Like I, I need to pump as much vital nutrients into my body every day, all day, so that they're circulating in my blood, they're getting to my cells, they're doing what they do. And, and what do they do? Well, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, enzymes, and thousands of phytonutrients. These are molecules found in plants. Uh, do all kinds of things in your body. But the, the things that we understand are they're anti-inflammatory. They are antioxidants. There are compounds in plant food that directly kill cancer cells. They cause apoptosis. Mm. And there are compounds that prevent tumors from growing. There are compounds that prevent tumors from spreading. Uh, there are compounds that uh, enhance your immune cells, like your natural killer cells to fight and kill cancer, right? To identify and kill cancer cells, that's their job. So like, as I started to learn all this stuff, I was like, wow, this is amazing. So a lot of people just think about nutrition as like, well, I just need vitamins and minerals just to be healthy in this sort of generic way, mm -hmm. right? But the reality is, is like, there are very specific things that plant compounds are doing in your body and we don't even fully understand all of it, right? It's so complex, right? It's so complex. Doctors and scientists are still learning and making new discoveries, but I had no scientific background, no medical degree, right? But I had enough common sense and intuition and a strong enough will to live that I was willing to uh, do whatever it took to survive. And that meant radically changing my diet. So including eating your, your giant cancer fighting salad twice a day. <laughs> Yeah, the giant cancer fighting salad, which you showed on the cover of the book, right? So that that uh, that photo made the cover, uh, and uh, and it should be because that really that salad was the, my core meal. Because I sort of, after a lot of thinking and some reading and looking at plant recipe books and raw food recipe books and all this kind of stuff, I just kind of realized, okay, I need to eat the most nutritious, most diverse, most potent anti-cancer meal every day. And if I'm going to eat it every day, I might as well eat it twice a day for lunch and dinner. And then it, it sort of became this default thing. Well, it's a giant salad. It's broccoli, cauliflower, kale, cabbage, onions, mushrooms, sauerkraut, uh, you know, some type of legumes with sprouted, uh, like sprouted mung beans or lentils or garbanzo beans, or they could just be cooked and put on the salad or canned or whatever. Um, and then like, delicious spices like oregano and cayenne pepper and curry powder and a uh, little splash of apple cider vinegar and a uh, little olive oil don't don't don't, uh, don't hate on me but uh, but that's what i did okay that's what i did so uh i yeah and it was delicious it was so good it was so delicious and i just began to i loved it and i began to crave it and i realized this is great i can just do this every day and um and what i learned a few years later once I started reading the science, once I'd gotten my health back, and, I, and then I, I started wanting to share what I had been through, what I had learned with others, I realized, well, I, maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just lucky. Maybe this is just a fluke, right? And I, is there any evidence actually, 
right? That nutrition can help your body heal cancer or prevent cancer. And then I started looking at the scientific literature and it just blew my mind. How many studies are published? I mean, you can't even read them all, right? You have to read like meta summaries of studies because there's just too many. But, um, but I went down that rabbit hole and was so excited, and I still am, to find studies that are, that are identifying these anti-cancer compounds in, in food. And what I learned was that the most potent anti-cancer foods was, were the ones that I was eating in the giant salad. It's really the cruciferous vegetables and the allium vegetables, that's garlic, onions, and leeks. Mm -hmm. And then cruciferous, for anybody that doesn't know, that's broccoli, cauliflower, kale, cabbage, bok choy, Brussels sprouts, and even uh, condiments like horseradish and wasabi. Mm. So, um, and I didn't know that. I didn't know about the horseradish and wasabi. I would have eaten more of that too if I'd known. <laughs> But, uh, but anyway, so, uh, so that's what I did. And I found a, an integrative oncologist who, who worked with me and supported me and ordered studies, blood work and CT scans along the way. And I found a naturopathic doctor and he had me taking lots of supplements and, and, uh, herbs and things like that. And I, you know, my attitude was, I'm just going to do everything in my power to help myself. I'm going to, you know, if there's no risk of harm, I'll do it right? If it's a supplement, if it's a food, what, if it has no risk of harm, I will take it, I'll do it. I, I don't have any way of measuring what's working and what's not working, but I'm just going to trust the process and believe that my body's going to use what it needs, right? It's going to use what it needs, and I'm okay with consuming a lot of stuff that it doesn't need and peeing it out or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that because uh, I'd rather have an abundance than, you know, a deficit. And... um so that's the short version. You know, I got well. You know, I, I just created this simple daily routine that was to, to maximize my nutrition and maximize my health and minimize my stress. And uh, and I talk about a lot of this in the, my first book, Chris Beat Cancer. But um, but yeah, and then I just repeated that that day, right? Every yeah. day it was like Groundhog Day. I'm right? just doing the same things every day, eating the same thing every day, right? And just just doing the best I could to, to survive and thrive. And um, my wife, you know, she, she uh, in, in, the, in the beginning thought I was insane, but she came around and uh, it was definitely easier, easier once she got on board. <laughs> and she's been what, all in for how long now? Yeah, I mean, that was 18 years ago. And so really, it really just took a few months yeah. of her seeing me do this. And, and, and I just want to say this to, to folks that are listening that, you know, when you decide to change your life in a big way, even just your diet, um, people around you are not going to understand. And you may be excited about it and you may be evangelizing to those people and uh, and, and just expect that they're, they're not going to be very receptive, <laughs> right? And it's okay, right? It's okay. Time changes things. So the people that thought I was insane now think I'm a genius. <laughs> so... Yeah. So you have that to look forward to, but just focus on you, take care of yourself. And what you'll find is that as you improve your life and your health, people will come to you. They'll come to you and ask, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, and then you have the opportunity to share what you've learned and you get so much joy and fulfillment from doing that versus trying to like, you know, convince everyone, you know, to do what you're doing and they, they don't want to. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly true. And that's a really important message for everyone to hear. In fact, we had a we had a gentleman who came to one of our medical immersions uh, in Sedona in October, and he was probably 
160 pounds overweight, diabetic, you know, hypertensive, a uh, slew of medications. And he uh, went to the VA after attending and he let them know, listen, I'm trying to get off my meds and I'm trying to do this and this, and I'm trying to do it with, you know, a whole food plant-based. And they kind of laughed at him and said, listen, you're going to be on these meds for the rest of your life. And it's, you know, <laughs> this is not going to happen. And like you, he just kind of did his daily routines. He ate whole food plant-based. And at his next appointment, two months later, the, the nurse who checked him in was like, okay, you need to tell me exactly everything that you're doing because I've never seen anything like this. And it's obviously working. The doctor's on board now. So it is spectacular how sometimes you, with the power of your reversal, can influence even medical physicians, nurses, stuff like that. Yeah. And that is, that's especially gratifying, right? Be, to have, and, I, and it's happened many times. It's not a brag. I'm just saying it's yeah. many times doctors and nurses and scientists have, have come to me, written me, approached me in public and just said, I really appreciate what you're doing. Keep doing it. You're doing really good things. And, you know, or even paid me for, for coaching. You know? yeah. right. Doctors pay me to help them get healthy, you know? And I'm like, it's great. Like, that's a really good feeling. And, and they know that, I mean, obviously they can tell I've invested 18 years of my life in, in knowledge, right. In growing my knowledge. And, and so, you know, if you spend a whole lot of time studying and learning, eventually you, you know, you develop some level of expertise. So yep. that yep. feels good. Yep. And as we <laughs> all know, good. most of these physicians, most of these nurses, they are, they're pretty, for the most part, ignorant when it comes to nutrition. And so they have the same maladies that everybody else does. And, um, and if they haven't read the literature, then they're not aware of really what's going on here. So we can teach them pretty, pretty great yeah. stuff. Yeah. We'll be right back with Chris. But first, I want to reach into my email bag here and read a nice letter that I got just the other day from a woman named Mary. I lost 70 pounds after reading Eat to Live by Dr. Furman and watching the Forks Over Knives movie. I love Jane and Ann's YouTube channel and your podcast, Rip. I don't know where I'd be without the Esselstons. Rip, I wanted you to know that I kept the weight off seven years, but then during COVID, I got into processed vegan meats, cheeses, and desserts. I gained 30 pounds. When I started straying to non-vegan baked goods, fried food, and putting honey in my tea and coffee, I knew I was in trouble and would soon gain it all back. The biggest help has been listening to your podcast and using approved recipes. This morning, I'm enjoying overnight steel cut oats that one of your podcast guests described. It came out perfectly and will make my mornings so much easier. Thank you for re-energizing my whole food plant-based lifestyle you and your family are amazing and are doing the world a great service i'm 61 years old take no medications and no longer suffer from ibs seasonal allergies or joint and foot pain i love doing long distance canoe and bicycle touring adventures last spring i bicycled the erie canal trail from buffalo to albany with my dog I think this would have been very hard, if not impossible, when I weighed 235 pounds. Thanks again for all that you do to get everyone living plant strong. 
It really does work. Mary, thank you. Huge congratulations on knowing that you needed to step on the brake and you were able to turn things around at just the right moment. I am so glad that you have found inspiration from the Plant Strong Show, and I'm thrilled that you've recommitted yourself to the world's strongest eating plan. Way to get after it. I want you to know that I also have bicycled the Erie Canal. Um, I did it from Pittsburgh into Washington, D.C., and it was epic. And the whole way, it was there was this beautiful canopy, so we were out of the sun. Highly recommend it for anyone that's wanting to do something like that. All right, I have two exciting announcements that I want to share with you today before we jump back into the show. First, if you haven't heard yet, we have just launched a brand new multigrain flake cereal that is going to knock your socks off. You know that I love the Rips Big Bowl cereal breakfast more than anything, but I want you to know that this new iteration is so crunchy and so satisfying that it just might become your new favorite. So just check it out. We're offering two packs for a limited time at plantstrongfoods.com. My second announcement, and this is big, our Sedona retreat has just been approved and accredited for 21.25 continuing medical education hours for physicians and physician assistants and 21.25 nursing contact hours for nurses. These are jointly provided by Plant Strong and the Mountain Area Health Education Center, and we are thrilled to offer these CMEs and CEUs as part of our October registration fees. If you are a healthcare provider, please join us in Sedona this fall and learn how you can level up with your nutrition, both personally and professionally. Visit plantstrong.com slash Sedona for more information or to ask us any questions. Let me, and, you know, it's funny. I got this uh, message on Facebook today. I want to share this because this is just so cool. It's just, an, just one example of many, but this guy named Jeff, and he said, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer uh, in August, and I found you in September, and I started your lifestyle changes and following your diet. And within one month, I'm no longer a migraine sufferer. And he said he was getting uh, headaches four to five times a week, mm -hmm. and he hasn't had one. And that's for 19 years he's been getting these headaches and they've stopped since he changed his diet and then he said he his uh a1c has dropped from uh 6.5 to 5.5 ah no longer no longer technically diabetic then yeah yeah i mean again it, it's it's not me right it's the food <laughs> right i just i just get to say you know i told you so <laughs> I want to jump into this this new uh, this new cookbook. Before I jump into recipes, I want to ask you a couple of questions. The first is, you have a confession that you make in the beginning of of the book, and that is that you say you're a terrible cook, and you're a, very much a creature of habit, and you can easily eat the same foods over and over and over again, like the giant uh, <laughs> cancer fighting salad, and that your wife. Micah loves to cook. And the deal is she cooks, you do the dishes, right? That's the deal. <laughs> Which is, 
I think that sounds pretty fair to me. And it's great doing the dishes when you're doing whole food plant-based because you don't have all that grease and all that nonsense. So dishes are, can be a lot, <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, so the second confession that you make is that you didn't, you really didn't have an interest in writing a cookbook, just like you say, you, you really, you know, weren't planning on coming down with cancer, um, but you did. And, and here it is, and it's out into the universe. Before we jump into these recipes, because to me, Chris, one of the things that you do so well is you explain things in layman's terms. So I'd love for you to talk about, I'm going to throw out a couple different things uh, that are in animal products. And then if you could just give us like this short summation on why they're kind of cancer promoting. Okay. Does that sound yeah. good? Yeah. yeah. And there is a, there's a section in the intro, which I, obviously you know, know about yeah. where I explain the, the animal protein cancer connection in the beginning of the book. So just for Perfect. folks that have never heard these things, but yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I'd love to, let, let's start there. The, the, the animal protein cancer connection. Well, so there are uh, a number of ways that animal protein can either cause or contribute to cancer growth. And the first, the, we'll start with the causes. So the International Agency for Cancer Research has identified uh, processed meat as a group one carcinogen. Group one is the highest level of evidence. That, so what else is in group one? Uh, cigarettes, right? Asbestos, formaldehyde, right? Known to cause cancer. There's no question. So, so we're in that same group. <laughs> processed, right? Processed meat, same group. But what's processed meat? Well, hot dogs, uh, deli meats like turkey and ham, uh, beef jerky, uh, Vienna sausages, spam, right? Uh, so it, it, that's processed meat. Uh, bacon. I should mention that. Uh, now there's a the next level down is group two which are probable carcinogens and red meat is in that category. So there's a, there's a fair amount of evidence that it's a probable human carcinogen. And uh, so those are direct causes, okay? Those are, those are animal foods uh, that can directly cause cancer and colon cancer is one of the biggest uh, correlations, but also pancreatic cancer. Now, in terms of contributing to cancer growth, there's a number of compounds in animal food that contribute to cancer growth. So I'll touch on a few of them. One of them is a saturated fat, right? Cancer cells love saturated fat and they also love cholesterol. They use it for fuel. You may have heard this uh, sort of notion that cancer loves sugar. It's only partially true. Cancer cells use protein, fat, and sugar. And so they really like cholesterol and they really like saturated fat. Uh, heme iron, which is very, a form of iron that's in red meat, uh, promotes cancer growth. So you want to be very careful about iron infusions, iron supplements, and uh, iron from red meat because cancer cells love iron. Um, there is a molecule in animal food called NEU5GC, and it's, a, it's kind of this weird sugar molecule that comes from animal meat, and it also is related to cancer growth and progression. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then there is uh, IGF-1. This is insulin-like growth factor. And what happens when you eat a lot of animal food? 
or a, a lot of processed sugar, your body raises IGF-1, and that is a hormone that promotes cancer growth. Mm. Okay, so there's a number of ways that animal food promotes cancer growth. Uh, uh, there's one more I'll mention, methionine. This is a, an amino acid that's very high in animal food, and it's pretty low in plant food. And uh, many cancer cells are dependent on methionine to survive. So when you eat a plant-based diet, you're, you're naturally eating, consuming much less methionine than you would be if you were eating animal protein, right? Animal meat and fat. So, um, so yeah, there isn't just one thing. There's a multiple ways that animal foods can contribute to cancer growth. So that's important. They're not talking about this on the nightly news, mm -hmm. right? And there's a whole lot of health influencers who are pushing a very meat heavy diet right? A paleo diet or a primal diet or a whole, a whole diet, right? But there's a lot of animal protein in that diet. And they're, I just believe they're either unaware of the science or they don't want to look at it in terms of promoting cancer, uh, animal products promoting cancer. And, you know, there's a, there's a probably the most pervasive bias, right? We're full of bias. We all have biases, right? The most pervasive bias in science and medicine, in my opinion, is meat lovers bias, <laughs> right? It's meat lovers bias, right? These are people, they like to eat meat. They like it, right? They don't want to hear bad news about it. They don't want to research and find out. They're not, they don't want to be objective. Like they like burgers and, you know, bacon and fried chicken. And so, well, <laughs> and since the cruise that we were on in beginning of 2020, really two two of the new diets that are out there have really like taken a foothold in society i would say one is the keto and the other is the carnivore right and yeah it's just yeah. It, it's nutty to me and, and every one of those is just loaded with everything you just mentioned about the other thing that i'd love for you to touch upon when when people are cooking and grilling their their favorite chicken breast or steaks what are they getting on those those uh, those meats? So when you cook animal protein and fat, so you know there's two. Basically, if we want to be very minimal, simplistic, there's you know you're cooking the meat and you're cooking fat. <clears throat> well, when you cook the meat on high heat grilling, you're creating heterocyclic amines. Those are uh, cancerous compounds from cooking uh, muscle meat. Uh, and then when you cook the fat. Uh, it produces polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, which are also cancerous compounds, right? And so both of those both of those types of compounds are produced when you're cooking meat. So uh, again, so not only is there certain types of meat, certain types of meat can cause cancer, animal protein and fat can contribute to cancer growth, and then the way you cook it makes it even more cancerous. So yeah, there's there's a, there's sufficient evidence to for any person to <clears throat> you know to take a critical look at what they're eating and reduce their consumption of animal protein or eliminate it altogether. Mm -hmm. You um, you mentioned polycyclic uh, aromatic hydrocarbons. I just want to say I read an article. God, it must have been in the last couple of months that basically talked about how it's almost like secondhand smoke, these um, these PAHs, and that they can get on your skin and actually 
burrow down into your skin and actually contribute to uh, cancer causation, which, you know, I mean, who would have thought that standing next to a barbecue pit would be dangerous, right? <laughs> oh man. Wow. I, yeah. I see. I haven't, I haven't heard that. This is news to me, but I'll tell you a story. I was, when I was 17, 16, 17, I worked at a barbecue restaurant and <laughs> Yeah, and I was uh, I was a dishwasher. I was a busser and a dish dishwasher, and I was back in the back with the smoker, right? And back in the kitchen, right, where they're smoking all this barbecue all day long, and it it was so like every day I would leave, and my skin would be just covered in grease just from the greasy smoke, right? Wow. These these compounds you're talking about, right? They were all over my skin every day, and some of the guys would get, you know, they would break out because it was so much grease, their skin would break out. Uh, this grease rash they would get. Um, and I, I didn't stay there too long. Uh, but anyway, oh, yeah, it's doesn't sound very habit forming. <laughs> right, right. And it definitely kind of turned me off to that whole process. But um, yeah. yeah, so you know, there's, there's sufficient evidence, a lot of people don't want to don't want to give up their bad habits or their favorite foods. And, and I get it. Like, I, I understand that animal protein meat it tastes good and different uh, preparations right doesn't taste great raw and it certainly doesn't taste great without a bunch of salt on it typically yeah but uh anyway the carnivore and the keto thing i mean i think it's important to point out and i know i'm preaching to the choir and most of your audience probably you know is not eating these diets right if they're following you but you know it's important to point out that these are experimental fad diets right they have no proof right? They have no evidence. And it's the same goes for the paleo thing, right? The paleo, primal, and carnivore diets are based on this hypothesis, right? That all oh, humans in the Stone Age were eating this way, right? But there's no real human test subjects that they can follow and say, and they had no disease, right? No chronic disease, no heart disease, no cancer. And they had an exceptionally long lifespan. Like there's no evidence to, to connect that with the results that we all want, right? And so, and the same with keto, right? So it, it, these are very, very new and experimental fad diets. Sure, will you lose weight? Yeah, you can lose weight doing that. You can lose weight doing lots of things. Like you can lose weight smoking crystal meth. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's great for you, okay? In the long term, it's not yeah. not even great in the short term in that case. But, but. Uh, this is often conflated with health, right? Which is like, oh, I lost weight doing this, therefore it's healthy. Uh, and to be fair, if you're overweight, when you lose weight, you do get healthier. Mm -hmm. Just reducing body fat uh, improves your cardiovascular health, it improves your immune function. So those benefits that are attributed to just weight loss from any method are often, I would say, misassociated with a specific weight loss diet like carnivore or paleo or keto or something, right? Yeah. And the, the bigger problem with those diets is they're unsustainable. Anybody can do a crash diet, right? And lose some weight for some period of time, usually a short period of time, a month, a few months, maybe a year. Mm -hmm. But I, you're not gonna be able to keep that up for the rest of your life <laughs> okay and uh and i think you're going to develop some serious problems down the road so th that's that's my soapbox no, on this no lines. no not a not a long-term solution whatsoever 
So when you were writing this cookbook, were there any, any foods in the plant-based kingdom that you are not a fan of because of how it relates to cancer? So let me just give you an example. Like, you know, with, with our audience, you know, we're not a fan of process oils. We're not a fan of coconut because it's so high in saturated fat. And we're not a fan of too many nuts just because it's so high in fat. Uh, they're so calorie dense and also about 80% fat. So we want, really want to limit those things. Anything that in your research or uh, that you have found in the plant-based kingdom that you want to avoid or reduce? Well, there, there, weren't, there wasn't anything that, that we wanted to avoid. Um, and my opinion on nuts is not as strict as maybe yours. I, I, there are studies on tree nut consumption, reducing risk of colon cancer, for example, and, and things like that. So uh, we do consume oils, but they're, they're sparing amounts of oil. They're small amounts, right? Not in the large amounts that you see in processed food and at restaurants, right? You know, they're just or, everything's- Yeah, or on the Rachel ratio. <laughs> sure, right. So small amounts of olive oil, especially if it's, if it's fresh pressed, if it's fresh, because olive, olives are a wonderful food and olive oil has this compound called oleocanthal, which is an anti-cancer compound. So, but anyway, so a little oil here and there, but we were very deliberate about using as little oil as possible and as little salt as possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, a little goes a long way, especially once you change your diet and your, your, your palate changes, your taste buds change. And uh, you just realize you don't need much salt. Just a tiny little bit really can make a huge pop in a dish. So, um, so those were the the basic principles that we that we were adhering to as we followed this. Uh, you know, I mean, as we were developing these recipes and kind of going back to what you said earlier. Yeah, I you know I'm not a cook. I'm not a good cook. I don't really like cooking. I don't like spending time in the kitchen. And. Uh, I am a creature of habit, so I'm perfect, perfectly content eating the same thing every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? With very little variety. Like I'm just, I'm okay with it. And because to me, I eat for vitality, right? And for energy. And I don't necessarily eat for pleasure like I used to. Mm. And so, and healthy food tastes good to me. So that it's easy. Right. Um, but for years, my audience has been asking for recipes. I mean, over for 10 years, you know, I've been a, a public figure for almost 11 years or no, almost 12 years. And yeah, I'm constantly, like, do you have any recipes? Can you give me some recipes, recipes, recipes? And I'm just back in my mind. I'm like, yeah, I eat the same thing every day. Here's three recipes. Right? <laughs> but, um, yeah. but no, but my wife, uh, typically uh, pretty much every night, almost every night of the week, she's making dinner and she does enjoy it. Uh, I'd say some nights. But she has become a, a, an incredible cook and uh, has, you know, we, we mix it up at dinner time. And so I, I decided in early 2020, maybe late 2019, I was like, you know, this would be a fun project. Let's, let's put together a whole food plant-based cookbook and get our favorite recipes in there. And then we had a dear friend of ours work with us on, on because a super creative friend of mine, on uh, developing some of the other recipes and... Uh, they just turned out beautifully. I mean, everything in there we love. And I think the great thing about plants is there are no studies showing that plants are going to increase your cancer risk, mm -hmm. right? There's no study showing that beets or carrots are going to increase your cancer or heart disease or, di or diabetes risk, right? And so you don't have to be afraid of plants. Uh, they are 
only good, right? Unless you have an allergy, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the book is broken up into two parts and, and I really, I, I'd love to spend just a second on, on each one of the sections because I am smitten with this book. I went, I went through it. I haven't made all the recipes, but I can tell you by looking at, you know, reading the, the headers, looking at the ingredients, the amazing photography that is done yeah. here. This is yeah. a absolute jewel and winner of a, of a cookbook. So part one is your hardcore anti-cancer recipes for healing. We already talked about the giant cancer fighting salad, which is on the front of the book, but you also have some things that really intrigued me, like this anti-cancer sprinkle. Can you, can you tell me about that sprinkle? Yeah, the sprinkle. Uh, so this was the, originally it was this just the, all of the spices that I was putting on my giant salad, right? Because you know I was trying to make it taste good, and and uh, and I was also learning about the anti-cancer, antioxidant value of many of spices, right? So I'm like, well, shoot, I'm going to put that on there. I want to put this on there. So it's like you know, curry powder, curcumin, garlic powder, uh, nutritional yeast. Uh, oregano, you know, pretty much all spices, right? All spices. So, um, so the sprinkle came together as uh, as a way for someone to pre-mix all of these spices that I would put on my salad, and then it's all they're just it's just delicious to put on any vegetables. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's uh, and so that's how that kind of came together. But it's yeah, it's nutritional yeast and a whole bunch of other stuff just mixed together, and then you can store it in a little jar. Yeah, and then you also have in here. Uh, on page 20, broccoli sprouts. I, I would imagine that's because of the sulforaphane yes. in the broccoli sprouts. You know, I'm just literally in the last two years after I first met you, have learned about the power of sprouting. And, you know, just like, wow, you talk about some nutritional oomph, right? And power. So were you were you doing sprouting like back when you started this? Yeah. My very, yeah. The, I mean, the very first week I, I adopted a uh, plant-based diet, it was all raw. And the, the books that I was reading at the time were espousing the, the virtues of sprouts and how nu uh, nutritionally dense they were and how wonderful they were. And that's when I started sprouting legumes like mung beans, garbanzo beans, uh, lentils, and, uh, and then, of course, discovered broccoli sprouts later and and uh, so, yeah, sprouts are amazing. And we, we made a, in this book, one of my most, my, this is a very simple recipe, but I'm probably almost, I want to say I'm one of my most uh, accomplished recipes in the book is broccoli sprout pesto. Ah, uh, yeah. Because people love pesto and broccoli sprouts are this incredible anti-cancer food, detoxification food, rich in sulforaphane, which is a liver detoxifier, and indole-3-carbinol, which is an anti-cancer compound. And so, yeah, it's just it's just a really cool uh, thing we came up with, and it's delicious. And are you sprouting yourself, you and Micah? We do. Yeah, it's easy to sprout. You know, yeah. you, you just, all you need is a jar and some seeds and a little water. So, you're, <laughs> so you do spend some time in the kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, prepping sprouts, that's that's anybody can do that. Uh -huh. Yeah. Running the juicer, I can do that, you know. Right. So um tell me about your your cancer fighting soup. Yeah. So this 
you know, one one sort of challenge for the book, and you mentioned this earlier, but I'll I'll expound on it. This cookbook has two sections. The first section is like the hardcore anti-cancer diet, right? So it's like if you have active cancer or you're trying to prevent a recurrence, just focus on eating these meals, right? These these uh, recipes, uh, because you need to keep your life simple, right? You don't need to be trying to experiment with a new recipe every day or several times a day and worrying, do I have this ingredient or that ingredient? You know, just focus on these hardcore recipes in in the first section. The second section of the book are the recipes for prevention, and there's a whole bunch of fun stuff in there too. And they're all whole food, plant based, and they're all healthy. Um, but you know, as a coach, as a survivor, as a patient advocate, uh, I know how you know, how hard it is to change your life. And the changes that you make have to be big changes, but they also have to be sustainable, right? You have to be able to repeat, rinse and repeat every day. That's where you get the momentum, right? So there's this healing momentum that happens. So the example that's easiest example is like, hey, you eat a giant salad, that's great, right? That's great you will get benefit from that salad and the benefits you get from that giant salad will be for a few hours right maybe some benefit for 24 hours maybe a little bit of lingering benefit into the next day from some of those nutrients okay but then it's over right no more benefit <laughs> but if you eat uh the giant salad twice a day right and then you do it again the next day and then you do it the next day and the next day you're compounding the benefits right and it doesn't have to be the giant salad it can just be plant food fruits and vegetables right as you as you continually put them into your body the benefits compound so um but the, again it has to be sustainable right because you don't you don't want to treat this like a crash diet mm -hmm. because you know it's only going to benefit you while you're doing it and then when you get off of it and go back to your old ways you've lost the benefit right so it's that lifestyle change and that long that um sort of long tail focus right having a long time horizon and, yeah. and thinking about i'm eating healthy today because i want to be healthy tomorrow and next week and next year right i want to i want to perpetuate that so this is a really long answer to your question but the the soup was <laughs> was a way yeah you like remembered that. you remembered the question <laughs> yeah the soup was taking the ingredients of the giant cancer fighting salad because I'm sensitive to the fact that some people it really is hard for them to eat the same thing every day, right? I have, have maybe I had a stronger motivation than other people, but for me it was like I don't care, I'll just eat this every day. I mean, if 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 I was convinced that tree bark would cure my cancer, I would just eat tree bark. You know what I mean? But the reality is, but look at look at that look at that photo and look at all the different things that are in there and between your anti-cancer vinaigrette dressing and your sprinkles. I mean, I could like, it's what I do every morning with my big bowl cereal. I, I do it and I've been doing it for 30 something years and I'm, yeah. I, I never get tired of it. Right. So yeah. the, the spring, this, the soup again, back to the soup is that salad. It's like almost all of those salad ingredients, yeah. uh, lightly cooked in a, in a special, uh, fresh homemade vegetable broth that the recipe is in the, in the cookbook as well. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's really great in the winter months, right? It's just lightly, lightly cooked to preserve the nutri the nutrients and warmed up in this delicious broth. And so you're getting all that food in, but it's warm, <laughs> right? right? It's not a cold salad in uh, January. Nice. Nice. Let's jump into part to part two. And these are recipes for prevention. And I just want to call out some ones that, you know, I'm looking at and I'm going, oh my gosh. So you have this jalapeno strawberry avocado toast. 
Yeah. I, I've never, ever considered that combination before. And I look at it and I'm like, I want some of that right this second. Yep. That is a, that was a very fun one to come up with. And uh, it's for the foodies, right? Jalapenos and strawberry on avocado toast with, with hummus. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. It's, I mean, it's just different and delicious and it lights you up. Lights up your taste buds. It's got that the sweetness and the tart and the and then the spice of the jalapenos. Yeah. It lights you right up. Yeah. And then, of course, the foodie in me, and I love pancakes. You got a carrot cake pancake with a cashew maple syrup. I mean, your daughters must go crazy over that on Sundays and Saturdays. The carrot cake pancakes are awesome too. And this was, so this was, uh, you know, <laughs> this was inspired by... Uh, the fact that I get asked for, again, a decade, people are asking, what do you do with all the pulp yeah, from your yeah. juicer, right? And so we figured out that you can take the, the pulp, if you just juice carrots, right? You take the carrot pulp and you can make these insanely delicious pancakes with the carrot pulp. And then if you're okay with having a little cashews, uh, now and again, having some nuts. Yeah, there we go. There's a picture of it. Mm. Yeah. Um, cashew butter and maple syrup together is, is kind of this knock your socks off uh, uh, topping for the uh, carrot cake pancakes. So Yeah. And then you have a whole section on salads. I'm wondering, I mean, I, there must be at least 12 of these salads in there. Do you ever deviate from your giant cancer fighting salad and, and do one of these prevention style salads? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not as hardcore now, so I don't eat the giant cancer fighting salad twice a day, every day anymore. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I think my approach was when I was in hardcore healing mode, that's basically all I ate. And then as I got well, it's like, okay, cool. Let's, we can lighten up a little bit. We can have fun with plant food and not, not be obsessively focused with having every single anti-cancer nutrient in every meal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some delicious, I mean, we well, got this, this one. This is the, the pear and pomegranate one right here. Yeah. Pear and pomegranate salad with, um, arugula and, uh, pomegranate arils. Yeah, that's just that's that's really good. We've got a dandelion apple goji salad. So with there it dandelion is right here. greens, there it is right there. Yeah, dandelion greens, which are a super nutritious Ooh. green. They they it's a weed, right? It's growing in your yard, yeah. and you can. This is an edible green, and uh, they're a little bit bitter, and so we paired that with the apple and goji berries, and it just makes this perfect sort of synergy of sweet and. It's a little bit of uh, like a little bitterness. It's it's really cool. And then you got soups and sides. And I'm this time of year. I'm a huge fan of soups. In fact, we just launched a line of chilies and stews. Um, and one of them is it's we call it a kitchery. It's an Indian lentil stew. But that's your first recipe in in this section is a Indian stew. And what, what really caught me was you talk about how it's got sweetness, spices, it's savory, and you even got the option to add dried cherries in there. That stew with the cherries, oh man, the cherries make it, it just make it amazing. Yeah, thanks for holding it up. It's just, we just call it the Indian stew, but yeah. yeah. So I, I, love, I love cuisine from around the world and my wife does too. We love Thai and Asian cuisine. We love Indian cuisine. We love South American, Costa Rican cuisine, you know, and uh, Ethiopian. So there are definitely a lot of recipes in there that are inspired by, you know, some of the staple dishes from those, those parts of the world that, 
that are so good. And the spices are really what make, you know, a dish so unique and fun and flavorful so that it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, and, and like, for example, on this collard and cashew sweet potato, how do you pronounce that? Tagine. 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 Yeah, that's, that's a North African stew. I feel so uncultured not being yeah. able to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> to the tagine, the tagine. Yeah, that's a North, like a North African sweet potato stew that we kind of added our own uh, twist to. And th that's a, that's a, that's been a staple in our house for a long time. We've I mean, been eating that, yeah, that sweet potato stew. It's so good. And you've got a harissa in here, which you say is a Moroccan spice mixture, typically consisting of garlic, cumin, paprika, and coriander. I mean, ah, oh, that just, you, 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 you know, you, you had me at, um, well, you had me at garlic, but <laughs> yeah. I ask a hundred people if they, if they know what harissa tastes like, <laughs> we actually going to get a hundred no's. I know. I know. And then like this tempeh black bean chili, uh, I'm, I'm actually right now looking for new chili recipes. So I'm going to definitely have fun making this one. That's a fun one. Yep. And we, we substituted, obviously tempeh was our substitution for ground beef. Yeah. Right. Cause you can make chili with just a bunch of beans and it, it can be great, but we were also trying to get a little bit more texture in it. And yeah, the tempeh worked really well. Yep. And one of the, I think one of the most popular vegetables these days because it's so versatile and it is a cruciferous vegetable, which you mentioned at the top of the show is cauliflower. Here's a curried cauliflower uh, soup that, oh my gosh, it looks so incredible. Uh, love, love curries. And that soup's got some raisins in it uh, that make, give it a little sweetness. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Now I'm going to move on to the mains and I'm going to go here. I want to go to page 128 because you got in here You've got, I mean, everything, but you did something here that I can't wait to try. It's jerk pineapple steaks. Oh yeah. I am yeah, buddy. pineapple. And so your steaks are your pineapples, right? Yeah. You got the beans and rice and then you got pineapple steaks in there. And uh, that, again, that's our ode to Jamaican cuisine and it's got, you know, it's got the jerk spicing and yeah, it's, it's tasty. That's a, that's a fan favorite. Yep. Your chili peppers, garlic, allspice, nutmeg, ginger. I mean, to me, I'm just reading this going, this is this, this is how you beat cancer, right? <laughs> I you mean, know, yeah. I mean, nutrient-dense food, right? Fruits and vegetables, and then loaded with spices. I mean, that's really the secret formula, right? It's because spices are so potent. They're so concentrated with antioxidants and anti-cancer compounds. And you, you pair those and they're delicious, right? And they make food fun. Yes. So you, when you pair those with whole plant foods, especially the ones, I mean, all fruits and vegetables are wonderful, right? They're all wonderful. Um, but especially the ones that have uh, higher levels of the known anti-cancer compounds. Yeah, th that's the formula. And so for every recipe, that's what we were thinking about and, and making sure that, you know, it wasn't just something that uh, had no value. Mm -hmm. Which and is hard to say. It's, you can't even say that, I mean, an apple has a tremendous value. It doesn't need anything else, right? <laughs> like I could just put a, make a recipe book and each page is just like apples, blueberries, right? Yeah. And that would be sufficient. But, uh, but anyway, this is a little more fun. It is. And one, and one of the things that I haven't had in a long time that I'm craving now that I'm looking at it in this form is cabbage roast. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I don't eat enough cabbage and the way this is prepared um, with the baby, I mean, the, yeah, the baby cold potatoes, the onions, the cremini mushrooms has just got me wanting to go home and make this tonight. It's good. And it's got this really good sort of au jus uh, that, uh, that makes it very, very savory and delicious. Yeah. And then I'm looking at a tamale pie here. But one of the things we did just two nights ago is we made do it yourself. That's what DIY stands for, right? Do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Do it yourself sushi tacos. And I love the way you have laid out all the different ingredients and then people can customize it. Which is brilliant, and I the asparagus that's and the and the kimchi, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the sushi tacos was cool because we 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 did we're using nori nori sheets instead of uh, you know so sushi's rolled up in nori right, but right. you can take the nori and just cut it into small sheets and then just fold it up like a little taco. Put your put your rice oh. and your stuff in it. Yeah, so they're like little nori tacos. I never even that I love that as opposed. Yeah. Rolling the whole thing, then cutting it up. Yeah, yeah. It's just quick. You know, it's like, and and I should say this, but it really was important to me because I'm not a cook and that the recipes were easy, right? Mm-hmm. That they didn't take long to make. Now, they may have a lot of ingredients, right? But a lot of spices and different vegetable combinations, but they had to be very easy to make and quick to make. And because, look, I understand life's busy. It's hard to, to find time to cook healthy meals. And so there's nothing complicated. There's nothing elaborate in the book. I'm not trying to show off. Mm-hmm. If we show off, it's it's in it's in spicing and in, you know, that kind of stuff. But we're not showing off in complicated, you know, uh, master chef level <laughs> right, uh, cooking skills. <laughs> have you have you tried or I should say, are you a fan of the world's best mushroom oat burger? Because I love burgers and I'm always looking for a really good one. And this looks extraordinary. I really want to hear your feedback on this because everyone that makes it is like, whoa, this thing is great. Yeah. Mushroom and oats. Like, cause you think, okay, a plant-based burger, we're going to use like black beans, right? That's the sort of typical thing. And, and it's good. And there's a lot of bean type burgers, but yeah, this one, we actually use mushrooms and oats to make the patty and uh, it's amazing. And, and mushrooms and oats are, are both really potent immune yeah. supporting and immune boosting foods because they're rich in beta glucans. And so, yeah, it was just really cool to come up with that. And you, and you also yeah. mentioned here aromatase, which is an enzyme that converts testosterone into estrogen in the body and how white mushrooms can suppress that. That's um, right. Mushrooms are are incredible uh, for women's health, especially endometrial health, because they are natural aromatase inhibitors. So if you have a, an estrogen-driven cancer, uh, like like breast cancer, for example, mushrooms are incredible to help get your estrogen down. In fact, just one story, there's a there's a woman who works for me who who um, found me years ago, and and in following my protocol in, in a one year period, her estrogen went from 80, her blood work estrogen, 80, which is crazy high down to three mm. in mm. a year. Right. And that's just from eating whole plant foods, tons of vegetables, fresh fruit, and yes, lots of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she probably dropped all the dairy while she was doing that. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, she cut out all the animal food. Yeah. 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 <laughs> which is loaded with estrogens and, um, so, and that, but that's one of the things that I am adoring about your book 
is how on each recipe, you also, when it makes sense, you support how this ingredient or this spice actually helps beat cancer, like you did with the aromatase there. Uh, this bean bread pesto pizza, right? I want yeah. you to know that you had me when you said chickpeas and rice are put kind of put together to make the crust. So for yeah. those that are gluten-free, this is a great gluten-free. And then look at that. There's no cheese. You don't even have the fake diet cheese on there, which I am, you know, this is the kind of pizza that attracts my attention. Yeah, it's delicious. The And the crust is a homemade crust with, that's called, we call it bean bread, but it's it's made with chickpeas and rice and it's delicious. And you can you can make that, there's another recipe in the book just to make the bread because it's a really tasty flat bread by itself. Yeah. Right. So you can just make it as a flatbread that's a legume based flatbread, or you can use it as the, the crust for the pizza. And you have a whole section on veggie bowls and veggie bowl staples, and you have a whole section on that. But I, the thing that you did that I've never seen before in a, in a, in a cookbook was the way you did these bowls with these clear ceramic bowls. So you can see everything that's inside of it not just what's on top of it. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant move. Credit credit goes to Justin Foxberg's our photographer. That was that was his idea. It, it's spectacular. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he, he is a, he is a brilliant photographer, and he and he made he made all the recipes look amazing. Uh, okay. Yep. Well, I'm moving on to uh, to the sweets. Right. One of one of my <laughs> one of my weaknesses, and I got to tell you. My all-time number one dessert in the whole wide world is mango with sticky rice. Oh and yeah, your man. first oh. your first recipe yeah. in, in this section was your mango and forbidden rice. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh! And you know, we did the forbidden rice, which if folks don't know, this is also called black rice. And black rice is the highest antioxidant rice, right? Mm because of its color, right? That the anthocyanins uh, that determine the color of the rice. So, you know, there are these little simple shifts and substitutions that you can make and that we make in a lot of the recipes where it's like, how can we up the game on this, right? So you could do white rice, okay, but black rice, more nutrition. And and you 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 actually suggest making this with the maple ginger lime drizzle. drizzle. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the, the the forbidden rice, uh, mango with the maple. Yeah, that maple ginger lime drizzle is uh, yeah unbelievable. Now, <laughs> and, and talking really about good. like talking about like super antioxidants, like you're gonna get with the black rice. You turn the next page and you get the purple, not like you know normal orange, but purple sweet potato pies with an almond date crumble. I mean. <laughs> Ah, I need to come over to your house for like a month and you, yeah. need, you need to serve me. <laughs> it, it, I'm, I, it makes me so happy to see how excited you are about these. Oh, I am. Yeah, these just, are right up your alley, obviously. No, they are. They all are. And then this one, this Mexican chocolate hummus that's made with chickpeas, dates, the zest of, I think, an orange or lime. And then you got cayenne pepper in there as well. I just, yeah. I love the creativity and how everything is combined here. It's, it's, it's nutty. I'm not done. I, uh, and then you have the last section in the book is plant-based basics. And for example, you have this super sofrito. It's almost like a salsa of sorts. That's right. And, and, and what I, let me see if I can find it here. 
But what I love, oh, guac, guac of the ages. Guac of ages. Who doesn't love guac, right? Yep. But the super sofrito, like you refer to how there was a Puerto Rican study with women and it showed there was a 67% less risk of breast cancer, I think because of the garlic and the onions and the anti-cancer effect that they had, as opposed to the women that weren't eating this regularly. So again, you, 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 you have, you give all these great little studies and stats and, and things. Uh, yeah, that study, when I, when I came across it, it really kind of was, it was exciting, kind of blew my mind that they had even thought to study this, but yeah. right. They, but they looked at women, cons- obviously you, you had some, a team of researchers that knew that garlic and onions are very potent anti-cancer foods. So they came into it with that knowledge, right? And then they identified that sofrito is this Latin American, Puerto Rican condiment that is, you know, basically garlic and onions, you know, with some other little stuff in there. Uh, and, and it can vary, but it's lots of garlic and onions. So yeah, they decided, well, why don't we, why don't we see if there's any difference in the risk of breast cancer for women that consume the most sofrito and women who don't consume it? And yeah, it was like 67% decreased risk of breast cancer in in the women that consume the most sofrito like several times a week, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, and like, hello, like this is the this is an incredible anti-cancer condiment uh that you can make up and you can add to, to all sorts of vegetable dishes. Yeah. And then piggyback on that study, you also referenced a chi- a China a Chinese study that showed that 79 79% decrease in colorectal cancer with women that did this regularly um, because of the garlic, the onions, and the leeks. Garlic, onions, and leeks. That's again, these are the, those are the three, as far as we know, as far as I know, and as far as I've seen in the scientific literature, those are the three most potent anti-cancer foods, right? Garlic, onions, and leeks. And, you know, none of those foods constitute a meal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like a potato, that could be a meal, but garlic, I don't think so, right? Onion, yeah, maybe you could snack on an onion. They do in some countries, right? I just, we just made an onion soup the other day that was outstanding. So yeah, okay. Onion soup, you can can pull that off. But, uh, But those are really, they're almost condiment vegetables, right? And they can be added to so many recipes to increase this anti-cancer potential. Uh, and so, and these are foods that Americans just aren't consuming enough of, right? We don't consume enough anti-cancer vegetables and spices. When you look around the world, the countries with the lowest rates of cancer have several things in common. One, typically much lower animal protein consumption, and two, much higher uh, spice consumption. Mm right? Mm-hmm. And those r- spicy vegetables, right? So the garlic, the wasabi, the onions, and then all of the, the cayenne peppers, all the peppers, right? The hot peppers and curry curries and uh, ginger, right? All of these really rich and spicy uh, condiments and spicy vegetables along with the cruciferous vegetables and not eating a bunch of processed food, junk food, meat, and dairy. Like those are very strong correlators to low rates of cancer. So again, you know, that's what I was doing uh, to help myself heal. And, and that's, you know, we were very deliberate about, right? Injecting as much anti-cancer potential into every recipe (laughs) in this book. How long did it take you guys to kind of from start to finish to finish to finish the book? For you know, it was about a year. It mm-hmm. was about a year. 
and I had two books going at the same time. So we, we could have, we could have made it happen a lot faster, but, uh, but I, I wrote, I started two books in 2020 and the first one, uh, this one here is called beat cancer daily. Oh, nice. And this, what, this is like a daily reader, like a daily. And so it's one page per day for 365 days. And, and I wrote that just, just as a way for a person who's going through the cancer journey to get daily encouragement and inspiration and practical tips, right. From me, just reminding them, stay on the path, like, right. Reminding them to forgive, reminding them to, to mm. pay attention to stress in their life, reminding them to, to keep their focus right in the right place. So anyway, that was a really fun book to write, but I, I started them at the same time. And then I was like, I, you know, I can't, I can't do both of these books at the same time. But anyway, beat cancer daily came out at the end of 2020 and then uh, beat cancer kitchen came That's, out uh, in, did, uh, in November. So what did you do with all the, like I know from, from doing four books and every one of them having uh, a lot of recipes in them that you, what do you do with all you know, like the leftovers, the, the, the batches that don't work out well, do you feed them, uh, feed them to uh, Gus or cash or your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, I, I would say um, there's 125 recipes in this book and we probably, there were probably a hundred and maybe yeah between 140 to 150 recipes total right so mm. there's yeah i don't know 20 is 20 or so recipes that didn't make the cut uh and so yeah, we ate them we <laughs> ate them but it was just like yeah no it's not good enough right not good enough for the book but they were they were all edible <laughs> is is gus your hound dog does he eat scraps? yeah yes. is he what does he eat the some of the scraps from oh your oh my he eats people food yeah pretty much every day i mean my wife literally like puts you know vegetable she just feeds him vegetables uh a lot and she feeds she does feed him ground beef i mean he's a dog uh and then uh, sometimes dog food but yeah he eats a lot of vegetables he eats more vegetables than i think anybody else's dog <laughs> i know well chris this this cookbook is is doing really really well as well i mean you know you've got over 254 stars on amazon five star reviews it's like number one in breast cancer books number one in um, cancer cookbooks so it's obviously i don't do this very often where you know i go through a book like this and call out the recipes in as detail as i as i have but it just goes to show you this is resonating with people and as soon as I took a look at it, uh, I was like, I want to have you on the show again, because it is, it is such a strong piece of work. Uh, and there's so much love and thought uh, that went into it. So man, huge congratulations on what you and your wife have pulled off here. Thank you, Rip. That really means a lot coming from you. I'm, I'm obviously a huge fan of you and all your work and your books. And, and uh, yeah, we did, we put a lot of, put a lot of love into it and a lot of thought and, uh, and as you mentioned, there's throughout the book, there are, we have sprinkled in, you know, uh, anti, anti cancer factoids, right. About different, uh, different foods and different spices. So yeah. I, I had to scratch that like educational itch that I have, right. It's like, I can't just do a cookbook. Like I have to be, you know, sharing something interesting, yeah. right. You know, along with, cause that's really what gets my juices going, like developing recipes and making a cookbook, you know, to me was, it was harder than my, writing my other books. Mm. 
Mm. You know, you think it was just recipes, but it was it was harder. Uh, and and because I love to teach, and a recipe is not really teaching. You know what I mean? Mm. So I like to learn and research, and then and then share that. So anyway, so we were able to do both with yeah. this book, like combine, bring in the research that makes it kind of fun and interesting, and and reinforces, you know, the the evidence behind eating this way. So a person really can, you know, they don't have to just, you know, well, I guess it's healthy. Mm -hmm. you know, right? Like, no, no, look, there's research, there's science, there's studies like, you know, Oh, it, it is deep. The hardest thing. And I'll just say, and I know we're probably running, running out of time or over time, but you know, and this is mainly for folks in your audience that that have cancer, or maybe they're trying to heal a chronic health challenge. The, the, the biggest thing is believing you can get well, right? That is the biggest thing. It's the number one thing in your, in your journey, right? If you're going to change your life, I mean, the very first thing is you have to believe that healing is possible. And so for me, you know, my mission is obviously to inspire people and, and, and get them to that place of belief, right? And so that's not just my story. I know my story helps, right? But also it's bringing in the evidence, the science, the research, the studies on the power of nutrition, right? So you can couple that with, hey, here's some survivors that I've interviewed in my story and lots of others who have healed. And hey, here's the science and the evidence that supports that food can help you heal, that changing your life can help you radically reverse disease. Mm -hmm. And so everything I do is to that end, right? It's to it's just to inspire that one belief that a person can get well, and then from there, give them the confidence to to take action. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just looking behind you right now, you know, at your books, like Chris Beat Cancer, Beat Cancer Daily, Beat Cancer Kitchen. And if I'm not mistaken, cancer is pretty darn close right now to overtaking heart disease. Yeah. It's like the number one killer in this country. And man, there's never been a better time for people to embrace your message, your books, your podcast, everything that you got going on right now, because I think that you have, you know, you have in some ways found a really powerful tool that people can latch onto and, uh, and really in, in beat this thing. So man, way to go. Power is the, the operating word, I think, because so many people feel powerless, mm -hmm. right? They feel they've been, they've been led to believe that they're just a victim of disease and that they're powerless, that there's nothing they can do to help themselves. Right. And like the story you told earlier, where the person's doctor yeah. said, uh, you know, oh, that won't work. There's nothing you can do. You need medication for the rest of your life or whatever. Yeah. And um, so restoring a person's power is, a, that's the ultimate goal, right? And that belief system, like I said earlier, I mean, just it just dovetails right into that. Because once a person realizes they have the power to change their life, and that their choices matter and that the choices they make today can change their future, right? can improve their life and their health. Man, I mean, you've got this like, you know, explosive synergy, <laughs> right? Of all those things coming together in somebody's life. And so I know that's what you're all about too. It's like you're, you're you know, restoring hope and, and faith and confidence and power to people. 
and that they don't have to be a victim of disease, that they can, they can actually improve their life. Well, you know, and just to kind of continue with that, that theme a little bit, you know, in your first book, you address the limitations right now of conventional medicine. And that's the thing that to me is so really upsetting is that most people, they go to their traditional doctors and whether it's, you know, your, your heart doctor, you know, or your cancer doctor, or, you know, your diabetes doctor. And most of these doctors are not giving you the correct prescription so that, that these patients of theirs can get to the root causation of what's going on. Um, and so what I love that you just said is, you know, what you're doing, what I'm doing, you know, what I learned from my father, you know, Dean Ornish, John McDougall, every one of us is we're giving people hope, right? Because yeah. it's, this is not a, you know, this is not a death sentence. This doesn't mean that you can't actually halt this and prevent this, or in some cases reverse this, what's been going on. So I love, I love what you said there. Well, the ultimate hope is, is that spark, what I, what I call the spark of hope is believing you can get well, mm -hmm. right? When they get that little spark of hope and they, and they say, wait a minute, if that person healed, maybe I can heal, right? Yeah. Then, then on, from there, again, I'm just trying to feed that, f those fan <laughs> those flames, you know, you know, just fan those flames of hope and get them fired up. Yeah. Right. So that they'll actually start changing their life. They'll change their diet. They'll start exercising. They'll, they'll look inside, right. And address their fears and their flaws and their failures. Right. And they'll forgive people who've hurt them and let go of that anger and bitterness. Like these are things that are so powerful, not just for cancer patients, right. For, for humans. And, um, you know, if you're willing to, if you're willing to be honest with yourself and if you're willing to look in the mirror and, and, uh, and say, okay, you know, my, my life is my life and my health is health is my responsibility, right? The buck stops here. If you're willing to do that, then, I mean, you have unlimited potential to improve your life. And that's, to me, that's an exciting message. And, and I do have great empathy for doctors because they're trapped in a system that's so terrible and it, it gives them very little, mm -hmm. it's so rigid that it be, has become a prison. You know, the parameters of medicine are so rigid the doctors don't have freedom to practice, you know, they're just stuck in a set of rules that are, you know, unfortunately, mostly created to drive pharmaceutical sales. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they're not trained in, in lifestyle medicine and nutrition. And uh, the, the heroes, right, as you mentioned, my heroes are, are the medical doctors who have taken on their own time, have, you know, taken the big dive into the scientific literature and educated themselves and then started changing their patients lives through diet through lifestyle intervention and then reporting back to people like me right? <laughs> i mean that's who taught me everything i know right i'm just listening to doctors and scientists and researchers like i obviously i learned things from my life learned things from my life experience but but you know most of most of what i've learned that is you know uh that supports what I did, right? It came from doctors, Dr. McDougall, like you said, Dr. Uh, Bernie Siegel, what an amazing guy that he is. Uh, 
you know, D Dean Ornish, your father, Joel Kahn. I mean, it, it just, it's a huge list, right? Huge list of huge. MDs that I'm so thankful for. And, and I, I think even better than me, right? I'm constantly interviewing doctors like that and pointing people to them. It's just, here's more evidence, right? Here are people, if, if you don't think I have enough credentials, which I have zero, right? Let's go listen to these people, right? Don't even, you don't have to listen to me. Listen to these doctors and scientists. They're, they're even, you know, if you need credentials, they will tell you the same things I'm telling you. So mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you do it in a really engaging, very fun way. Uh, so for people that that want to know more about you and, uh, and everything you're doing, where can they go? Well, uh, chrisbeatcancer.com is where you can find me. And I've interviewed dozens of, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of doctors and PhD researchers on, on nutrition and health and longevity. I've interviewed dozens and dozens of long-term cancer survivors who, who've healed against the odds, doing basically the same things I did, taking a holistic approach to health. And there's a lot of articles and videos and stuff on there. I mean, it's just, it's a free resource and I've, it's been going for over 11 years. And so that's the best place to find me. And, and again, thanks for having me on. Thanks for the, you know, the shout out mentioning my books and, yeah. and taking time to, to share some of the recipes, talk about some of the recipes in the cookbook. I mean, it just, I appreciate you so much and you're, you're doing such awesome work and you've impacted the lives of countless people and, uh, in such a positive way. It just, uh, yeah, it's great to be on the same team. It is. Well, Chris, it was, it was absolutely wonderful connecting with you today, Chris. And um, thank you for the spark that you've brought to the world around beating cancer. It is important and you're doing it in a wonderful way. Thank you. Rick. All right. Chris beat cancer. Yes, indeed. All right. Hey, I will uh, see you soon. My plant strong brother. Thank you, Rip. It was fun. You have to believe that healing is possible. I love that quote from Chris, and I hope that after today's interview, you believe it as well. For more information on today's episode, visit the episode page at plantstrongpodcast.com. We'll see y'all next week. And until then, keep it plant strong. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.